Kotoko, welcome to the panel RNZ National. Uh, Guy Williams and Alexia Russell with me today. The government has dumped its plan to put GST on KiwiSaver fees after a fierce backlash from the public and opposition. The government had intended to charge GST on fees paid on KiwiSaver accounts from April 2026, potentially netting it hundreds of millions of dollars more in taxes. Minister of Revenue David Parker said the change uh, could mean more tax revenue for the government in coming years, but the move was made for the sake of consistency. And financial markets authority modelling showed it could even, or also rather, shave an estimated $100 billion from KiwiSaver funds by 2017. It caught backlash from the opposition and fund providers. With us is Richard Kilpin, the CEO of Financial Services Council. Kia ora, Richard. Uh, Kira Wallace, how are you? Good. So big news today and quite the back down. Are you surprised by this? Uh, look, we welcome it because I think it's a victory for common sense. I mean, obviously, it's been a pretty uh, wild ride the last 24 hours. But I think in the end, you know, the, you know, it demonstrates that New Zealanders really care about KiwiSaver and what it does for them. And so, look, in the end, the right, the, the right result came through. One fund manager said that it amounted to a wealth tax. Do you agree with that? Yeah, look, you know, anything that erodes uh, savings for New Zealanders' retirement um, is has got to be a bad thing, particularly when it, it's, it's not necessary and not required. So um, it, it did end up being a tax, and I think in the end the wisdom, the wisdom of the argument won the day, and I think good policy comes from the collection of wise heads uh, uh, around the table uh, ultimately coming up with the right outcome. It, it shocked me because it seemed like announcing a plan like this is almost like political suicide. Can you use your? Can you play devil's advocate for a second and see why they might have suggested why this might have possibly been a good idea, or is it crazy from the outset? Oh, God, look, this was about um, tidying up some of the inconsistencies in the tax law. So, like, we totally got that, and, you know, that completely makes sense. But um, going from tidying up um, uh, inconsistencies to effectively hitting all New Zealanders, 2.92 million New Zealanders that have a KiwiSaver fund mm. with a, with an extra 15% uh, GST on their investment fees made no sense at all. So the problem was perhaps right, but the solution was entirely wrong. But just following up on that, I mean, Minister Parker said it was intended, as he said, to make the system more consistent. I mean, you know, come on, that's the way that GST is always sold to us. One of the world's most simple and consistent tax systems. So by rights, it should be on KiwiSaver fees. No, look, this has always been carved out. You know, if you go back to the beginning of KiwiSaver, you know, which, let's be honest, like KiwiSaver has been a huge success story in New Zealand. Um, there's $84 billion in there. We do, we track a lot of research about how New Zealanders think and feel about KiwiSaver. And this is going to be a key part of everyone's retirement planning and retirement adequacy. So so the settings initially were right. Um, the change proposed yesterday and now removed today uh, are, are welcome, but, but they were kind of never right. So you know, our argument, guys, actually, we, we would welcome a review of KiwiSaver because there are other areas that we don't think the settings are quite right. And after 15 years of KiwiSaver, it's probably about time. Well, before Alexia jumps in, here you have um, a, a potential $225 million annually, annually in taxes at a time where nearly every sector is crying out for more money. This would be money that could surely be needed in the government coffers. Yeah, well, but on the other hand... Um, 
So, so you're right on one hand, but on the other hand, look, you've got a cost of living crisis. We're, we're living through some of the most difficult and challenging times with pandemics, interest rates, inflation. You know, this is a time to actually support New Zealanders. And, and KiwiSaver is such a key part of people's retirement planning. Um, increasing contributions, increasing amounts people will have for retirement rather than taxing makes much more sense than, than, than the reverse. So, you know, in the end, it's about balancing books. And that was that was clever spin stuff. there, though, because, I mean, it is helping New Zealand. By the government gathering more tax revenue, they are trying to distribute that to help New Zealanders. Yeah, well, th- I think there's a number of ways to skin that cat, and I don't think the KiwiSaver answer was the one mm. to do. But do you think they're looking for a solution, Rich? Because, you know, the tax take for the last couple of years is going to be way down. Um, you know, you know, no one's earned anything. And there are all these rules now that you can delay paying it without penalties. You know, there's going to be a massive, massive hole there sooner or later, isn't there? Oh, look, in the end, you know, the government of the day is charged with managing the books as we're all charged with managing our own budgets. You know, and what comes in has to go out. So we've all got to live within our means. But, you know, there's there's a large amount of money to make that happen. And, and you know, in the end, we elect people to prioritise that. And, and KiwiSaver, you know, the last thing we want to see happen is that KiwiSaver becomes this kind of political... Uh, uh, issue and cash cow that any government of the day thinks that's a good place to go and, and find it. Much, much better to have a bipartisan approach about keeping KiwiSaver in terms of what it's designed to do, which is it's our retirement planning tool. Yeah, but how, how is this um, GST move different from having, you know, taking the GST off rates, which is a tax on a tax, or vegetables to encourage us to eat properly, or books, or tampons? They all seem to have some sort of judgment involved about the value of what we're doing in society. So why is it not applied just overall? Yeah, and look, Alex, that's a great question. But you know, in the in the, in the case of KiwiSaver, yeah, KiwiSaver has been off the table for so long. This was never billed as a. Uh, it was never sold as a. This is a. This is about increasing the tax coffers. This was always billed as. Let's fine tune and tidy up some anomalies in the system. Um, you know, this has never been an issue about you know what's appropriate to be taxed or not. Okay. So, yeah. Now on the on the political um, uh, I'm back down on the political angle of this, Richard. Um, I mean, the swiftness. I mean, J- Jane Patterson writes the swiftness <laughs> of this back down demonstrates once again how forcefully public sentiment can change the minds of the government, who could, along with everyone else see this was going to end badly. What of the swiftness of this U-turn? Yeah, look, I'll stay out of the politics. We're interested in really good policy. And in the end, the backlash demonstrates for all of us that New Zealanders love KiwiSaver and they want to protect it and they don't want it to become this football. So, you know, I think I think all the comments and, and all of the articles and all of the energy and action just demonstrates treat KiwiSaver carefully, nurture it beautifully, make it relevant for everyone, get the settings right, but for goodness sake, don't see it as a, as a place to, to tinker with because people will respond, and, and we've seen that in the last 24 hours. Just as a side note, Richard, OK, so we don't... Uh, um, there's been a big back down on this, uh, uh, this uh, GST on fees paid on KiwiSaver. It could have netted us uh, $225 million annually in taxes. What's your point of view... As the CEO of the Financial Services Council, what's your point of view of a financial transactions tax? Ooh. I would probably take that one on notice, uh, if I may, uh, without um, and give it some careful thought before I responded to that one.
All right. Very interesting. Thank you. That's Richard Kilpin there, the CEO of the Financial uh, Services Council. Interesting. Uh, inter- mm. po- political, politically, that's that, that's interesting, wasn't it, Alexia? It was a, wh- a whiplash statement, wasn't it? That really yeah. swift uh, U-turn yeah. this afternoon. So is this, is this a case of the government being forced to listen? And how damaging do you think it'll be? No, not at all now, because it's all over. It was. It, it's yeah. a moment in time, and, you know, they had to act quickly, I guess, but... Crikey, how did they misjudge that so badly? But, you know, if we're talking about anomalies, surely a tax on a tax is an anomaly. Why are we still paying GST on rates? Mm. That's a massive anomaly. Yeah. Uh, interested in your views on that, you can text me at 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. It is 16 past four. Guy Williams and Alexia Russell with me this afternoon on uh, today's panel. Lovely to have you company. A fundraiser has been launched today to support the locked-out workers at the Kawarau Mill. 145 mill workers have been locked out of their workplace by manufacturing giant Essity since the 9th of August. The strike was prompted after the company refused to pay wages in line with inflation. Working people on strike at Kawarau Mill have been threatened with more than half a million dollars in damages by ST. We sought a response from ST who said at this, at this time we do not intend to make any further comment other than what they uh, said yesterday which in which they put out a statement. Anyway, with us is the NZCTU president, uh, the Council of Trade Unions president, Richard Wagstaff. Kia ora, Richard. Kia ora. Clearly a very tough time for the people of Kawarau. Uh, I mean, from what you've heard, seeing how are people fearing, families will be very worried. Yeah, absolutely. This is like a full-scale attack on a community and a significant workforce within that community. And it very much feels like a David and Goliath situation where um, these workers have, have had the you know, temerity to say, can we keep our wages up in real terms so we can afford to pay our mortgage and our bills? And the company has come back with a sledgehammer and, um, and put them out of work kept them out of work and, and refused um, to allow them to access their own um, insurance. Uh, and now they're trying to sue them because they think they found a legal technicality on the original strike. So it's very, very heavy-handed. And I think um, uh, in our experience, uh, you know, New Zealand communities and New Zealand as a whole doesn't respond well to this kind of behaviour. So the backdrop to this is they were locked out after they rejected a 3% pay rise. I mean, qu- quite a staunch move to lock out and one you really don't see these days. Much am I right? No, you, you don't. In fact, if you think the last two I can think of, one was the Wellington bus drivers, which infamously crashed for New Zealand bus, and um, and the New Zealand public strongly supported the bus drivers. And the other one, of course, was the Tally Zafco lockout at Waira. Again, um, I don't think these things end well for the company. And when you think about the long-term relations they want with their staff to treat them like this, uh, you really wonder what they're thinking. Uh, and I, I think they'll they'll really... Uh, get on the wrong side of the New Zealand public. And they've got, you know, important brands in New Zealand, Purex, Sorbent, you know, Libra, Handy Towels and so on. All of these things are at risk, you would think, um, when consumers know that this is the company that makes a lot of money and profit and treats the workers uh, like this. Before we jump into to, to Guy and Lex, if I have questions too, I mean, looking at uh, what SIT's offer was, so 14.7% over three years, close to what the union was asking for, said their general manager. So... 3% pay rise and a lump pump same, lump statement of four and a half grand this year. Next year, 3%. 2024, 3%. Not enough? Well, obviously not. The thing about lump sums, too, is they're just a, a temporary um, sort of uh, temporary stop, but then you go back to being well behind on your pay rates. Like, I, I don't particularly want to negotiate the actual yeah. deal, but I would say if they genuinely thought they were close, 
you don't lock out when you're close. You go back into negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't sound to me like they thought they were close. Um, and as I say, um, you know, inflation's pretty high at the moment. Cost of living's pretty tough. And um, you know, these these workers were work through work through COVID, kept things going, thought they were um, being valued by their employer, and now they're not feeling that way at all. This is the bad old days, Richard, isn't it? I mean, these are the days when we actually had an industrial affairs reporter who was working full-time on things like lockouts. And, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when we had that latest lockout you're referring to, some of our reporters didn't even know what a lockout was. Mm. (laughs) Are we going backwards? Absolutely right. Well, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, I often worry when people think lockout, what are the, are the unions have done this time? And it's, it's the employer stopping workers going to work. Um, and I think you're right, people don't understand these things. Yeah, I, I, it does feel like that. I mean, we're pretty gob, gobsmacked by this. And, and the point here is that we're launching a, a fundraiser on, in support of those workers in the union. And, and already, you know, we're seeing a really good response, both from unions and from the public. And we hope the public will, will come in behind us so those people can feel some protection at, at this very difficult time. So is, is that you're saying the best way to support the workers is um, is is to go and donate. Is that what you're saying? Sorry, I, I think so. I think that'd be really helpful. That we we put up on on um, on Facebook, you know, together.org.nz uh, or, or on the website. You'll get into the you can make a donation if you want to. We'll send that through to this workforce to make sure they're um they're supported during the lockout because they're doing it real tough right now. Yeah, I'm, to I'm keen to support. Work. I'm a big uh, supporter of uh, toilet paper, a big fan of their work, and I really hope they can get back to work soon because I cannot handle another toilet paper shortage or scare. So uh, let's let's hope that this resolves itself. There would itself. be other brands you can buy. You don't have to buy, what is it, Libra or whatever it is. R- um, Richard, Purex what, and Sawbridge. Would a boycott of the brands be counterproductive? Uh, I, I think the, the company needs to know that they are damaging their brand in the eyes of the New Zealand consumer. I think it would be good for them to hear that. And, um, I mean, ultimately we want we want it all back on track and the company and the workers to be doing well. But um, right now, um, this is not the kind of company that we want to be doing well, I don't think. We want them to know that the public doesn't support the treatment of their own staff in this way and that's not the kind of um, behaviour we expect in New Zealand. Now, uh, Richard... Um there are negotiations pegged, I understand. Or, I mean, early days yet, but pegged for some time tomorrow and or Friday. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too sure about where the negotiations are planned. I mean, that's good news, um, but but I'm I'm sure they're pretty difficult in, under the circumstances. Um, often, uh, you know, when you get people back around the table, you see cease hostilities and get around the table. So, but I'm not hearing that either. So, I hope they can get get this sorted out. I think the um, the the kinds of actions that we're all taking, including you know this fundraiser and the public and the, and the discussions that we're having on. Live right now are all um, influencing the company's um, views about what is the right moves. I've not seen anybody think this makes sense, what they're doing. Uh, and I see that they're not coming out themselves, you know, and, and responding to interviews and so forth. So I presume that they're reflecting on this behaviour themselves and thinking it's not going to work. I hope they are anyway. Very good, uh, Richard Kiora. That's Richard Wagstaff there, the NZCTU president, uh, Richard Wagstaff there. Interesting. The, the, tell you what, the KiwiSaver one is quite divided. Um, there's both for and against. Michael says... I hope you and other media hang their heads in shame after uh, acting as a megaphone for those working to willfully distort the government's efforts to close a loophole being exploited by some KiwiSaver providers. So clearly uh, quite a um, uh, quite a heated uh, uh, argument, that one, one that we might have to come back to. Mm. Yeah, there's got to be more, there's got to be a little bit more to it than like it's one of those stories that has just spun so quickly in one direction that it really um, 
You've got to wait for the smoke to clear and to hear both sides of the argument, I guess. Yeah, It's 23 past four, by the way. A lot, can I just say a lot, lot, lot of response regarding teachers. Uh, we are going to be just discussing teachers. But this case, we're not going to talk about the particular case, but you've got a class full of restless kids, phones out, headphones in, they're not listening. Um, are teachers equipped with the skills to teach in of the modern classroom. We talk about that uh, very soon. And my goodness gracious me, you and your meatballs, honestly, (laughs) unbelievable. Um, (laughs) Not just New Zealand. Hastings is the meatball capital of the world. They were reinvented in Hastings. (laughs) Emmett says, Hastings, here I come. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Look. I, I, I don't know if... They, surely there's a place in Italy or something that's the meatball capital of the world. Surely not Hastings. And surely if they're that famous, they would have a, a giant meatball erected outside yeah. the town. <laughs> well, you see, this is the missed opportunity. We're talking about um, how the region can reinvent themselves. Have I heard of... A, you hear of... Oh, God, you hear of the Bluff Oyster Festival every blooming year. Yeah. You hear of your Whitebait Festival. When have I last heard about a meatball festival? There's the opportunity... You heard it here. Yeah. The panel, RNZ National. 24 past four. Uh, Guy Williams and Alexia Russell with me today. Anyway, backing to our Māori on a chocolate bar resulted in some discussion about product endorsement rules. Green Party MP Marama Davidson posted a video of herself to social media holding blocks of creamy milk chocolate rebranded with uh, Miraka Kirimi, uh, Māori translation. The Prime Minister requested for it to be taken down because it breached cabinet rules about product promotion. Marama Davidson won't do that. There have been other endorsement instances. Minister Chris Hipkins once named a specific brand of beer at a health conference. A couple of examples of some of the uh, innovative things that people can expect to see. Vaccination camper vans are heading up and down the country, uh, particularly in the north. The Department of Conservation is offering up their four-wheel drives and their boats to help people in uh, remote rural areas to get vaccinated. Air New Zealand's turning one of their Boeing 787 Dreamliners into a vaccination clinic at the Auckland Airport for Super Saturday. I'm told people will be vaccinated in business class before waiting out their time uh, in economy class with some snacks provided. Uh, Other companies have done a number of things. Good George Brewery has been rebranding their lager with the tagline for legends that vaccinate. Uh, And you can expect to see sausage sizzles, coffee carts and a whole variety of other activities taking place. Let's just hear that again. Good George Brewery has been rebranding their lager with the tagline for legends that vaccinate. He also plugged Air New Zealand pretty hard there as well. These are publicity stunts done by companies. I guess the issue was that it was a health, uh, uh, a health message, and you had a, um, a alcohol label, a beer label there at, at mm. a time where we know um, the effects of alcohol and whether or not it was an appropriate thing to do. I think it was. If I'm, if I'm correct, he did he actually backtrack on it anyway? My question to around the panel is. Is it a special case? Is it a big deal? What of the issue, Alexia? Um, well, I think Adun can't seem to be encouraging MPs to break cabinet rules, even if they are silly. So she had to, you know, ask that. But then she's just been on a tour of Costco, so you've got to wonder about that for a start. And, um, and Marama... But that's part of... The, that's... <laughs> 
Is it different? I mean, no, because, you know, how many stupid photos have we seen of MPs with headets on going to one factory or another? So, I mean, the, the line seems pretty blurry. And also, part of her core activities is to promote Toreo. So I can understand why she said no, and I can understand why Ardern said don't. So, yeah, it's where the Prime Minister sides. was stepping in on this. Like, isn't this what the whip, or don't you have someone in your party that, that does the dirty job like this? Or um... well, I think, wasn't she stopped on the task and asked that? So it wasn't like she was... It was coming from on high. Yeah, but if she goes and then you delegate it to someone who's going to take the hit, because this is a bad PR week. Like, I don't know why of all the... I mean, it's obviously a serious issue. MPs um, working with companies and corporations and contractors and, you know, like, there's always dubious um, arrangements that um, everyone has and conflicts of interest. That's just life. But, I mean, to pick out this just seems like such a minor... Um, example of, 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 rule, of rule breaking and a real technicality. It just seems kind of mean spirited. Well, the, uh, just in return, did say, quoting, you can see the intent here was promotion of Tereo Māori, but we do have to make sure that we uphold a really clear standard on promoting products. Mm. Mm. But what was she going to say? Well, yeah, it does break the cabinet rules, but I think in this case, Mama should just go ahead and do what she wants. Because <laughs> she's my friend and. <laughs> It it annoys me, though, when this gets attention because there's so many more important conflicts of interest I think that MPs probably have and these little things that they put themselves on Facebook are probably not the issue that we should be watching out for. Graham says Whitaker's is our most trusted company year after year. Members of Parliament are not. Um, <laughs> very interesting. Uh, thank you for all your response. By the way, speaking of products, uh, you've both be lo- been looking at um, this thing on my desk here. Yesterday, Joe McCarroll bought me some gherkins because I said on the radio that I couldn't open the top of my gherkins. It's been on the shelf for two months. <laughs> uh, and uh, she felt sorry for me. She bought a, um, some homemade gherkins. And today, Sally Winley heard the promo uh, of the panel talk, uh, in which the Honourable Chris Finlayson said that he just can't go past an animal biscuit, particularly the sheep, uh, and at a stretch, the rhinoceros. What, you mean the iced animals? The iced animals. The cookies. That's yeah. weird. So the, Sally Wendy kindly bought some in for you to share. So there you wow. go. You've got your animal biscuits if you decide to have one. I do love those. So I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad yeah. they bought it. It's weird it only comes in one side of the package. You know, like every other cookie, you can buy it in 500 types of sizes, and you can get a lunchbox, and you can get iced animal. It's one small box. They're all yeah. broken in there, and uh, they all taste the same. It doesn't matter what colour you get; they're all delicious. Well, uh, well, they're not. Open you don't. Yet. You don't eat them. You just lick the icing off. And then <laughs> you go. Have get, we got Marta Davidson's opinion on this? Is that going to be a conflict of interest? The well, old iced animals probably will. But are you there, Marama? <laughs> I am. I just burst out laughing when, when Alexia said you only uh, lick the icing. Exactly what I do too. Um, but I do love those biscuits too. Okay, headlines. The government has backed. Are you eating them right now? Yeah. yeah. Oh my just, gosh. Can you, hey, Alexia, can I, you put them away? This is live radio. This is live radio. Send me some. I think he, if I give him one, he'll probably be just sitting you. looking at it for the next half hour. Make it quick.